Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Spoon Mob Pod. My name is Ray. I am your host. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about Bresca. It's a one Michelin starred restaurant over in D.C. I actually went to it um, about a year and a half ago. It was March 2019. I had to go out to D.C. for a job fair for my day job. And uh, basically took the early flight out there, did what I had to do, booked the latest flight back as possible, which I think was like, it was almost like an 11 p.m. flight. And um, yeah, basically had a mm, five hour window to just kind of explore the city before I had to, you know, get back and everything and, and do some work at the airport. So basically took a, uh, a lift from the airport downtown. So it's about like 40 minutes or so, even with the, the rush hour traffic and then went, um, walked around the neighborhood, went to Bresca and, uh, then went back to the airport and flew home. So kind of a day trip situation, but, um, yeah, Bresca, it, it opened back in 2017. Uh, the chef owner is Ryan Retino, who actually, uh, He's an Ohio native, so he actually grew up in the northeastern part of the state, kind of in the suburbs of Cleveland area. Um, so he's familiar with, like, you know, catching walleye and stuff he used to do as a kid with his grandfather on Lake Erie and, and all kinds of stuff like that, you know, northeast Ohio things. Um, and then when he went to high school, that's kind of when he started getting into the culinary industry. He got his first job. Um, it was basically at a local Panera Bread Um you know, those are on pretty much every corner, uh, it seems like, but he's doing like sandwich prep. But then he wound up, uh, becoming a cook in the kitchen of a winking lizard over in Brunswick. And July, 2009, he wound up leaving winking lizard and then moved to Orlando, Florida. Um, he went to culinary school there. He went to Le Cordon Bleu, which is no longer open, but right before leaving, um, to go to school is kind of when he first found out about the French laundry cookbook and he wound up kind of getting obsessed with the French laundry cookbook and did a deep dive into that, the Michelin stars, kind of all those things. And that was right before, you know, he was going down to school and he kind of earned the nickname Michelin star. Cause that was all he was talking about while he was at school and in all his classes and everything. Um, so it was something that he was really interested in and really wanted to pursue and, and, you know, get one of his own. Um, then pretty much while he was in school, he started working at, uh, Shula Steakhouse, which was over at the Walt Disney world, uh, the Swan and Dolphin resort. And he stayed there throughout culinary school. He wound up being a junior sous chef in the kitchen. And then pretty much once he graduated from culinary school, he went over to Bull and Bear at the Waldorf Historia Hotel that's also in Orlando. Stayed there for about six months. Then he went over to Blue Zoo, which was, uh, I don't know what hotel it was in, but it's a, it was a Starwood hotel, uh, which is since like a year or so ago, Starwood got merged into Marriott. But at the time, it was a Starwood hotel property. And the restaurant, I believe, was, was owned by them too as well because it was in one of their hotels. But uh, that was... Blue Zoo wound up being, you know, named like one of the 10 best foodie spots in the city by USA Today. 
and he worked his way, Rotino worked his way up to executive chef there. And then he moved to New York and was a sous chef at Caviar Roos. Um, started there in May 2014. That restaurant earned a three-star review in the New York Times while he was there. He was only there for about six months, though. And then he went uh, in October to work at uh, WD-50, which was Wiley Dufresne's, which is known for being kind of this proving ground for chefs in the city. And it was very like forward thinking uh, from a gastro perspective too as well. I mean, he talks about it pretty frequently whenever he pops up on uh, Dave Chang's show, Dave Chang's podcast that he has. But he wasn't there, you know, terribly long. He wound up moving. Um, he wound up working at a restaurant called Dovetail, which I've never heard of before. And then he moved to Washington, D.C., where he joined the kitchen at Jose Andres's uh, mini bar, which we've been to. Um, it's a fantastic restaurant. It's Michelin starred. It's two Michelin stars, but at the time it didn't have any because the guidebook, I think, just came out for um, Michelin in D.C. It was like 2016, 2017, something like that. But um, from there, he went to a restaurant called La Berge Provencal, which was in White Post, Virginia. And that's kind of where he, he got them a three-star review in the Washington Post and everything. But um, he also, part of his executive chef duties was to take care of uh, a garden that they had on site. It was like half acre um, plot of land that he was gardening. So he really got into kind of growing his own produce, um, you know, different methods, keeping everything, you know, sustainable and organic practices, stuff like that too. So um, that's kind of where he first got into that and it comes into play later. So in 2015, he joined uh, Richard Sandoval's kind of restaurant group. He's a restaurateur. And he was developing menus. He wound up um, curating and executing the 14-course uh, tasting menu at Masa 14. And in October 2016, he took over as executive chef at Ripple, which was in the Cleveland Park neighborhood of D.C. Uh, the previous chef, uh, Marjorie Meek Bradley, she kind of gained some local acclaim while she was there. And then uh, I think she was actually awarded the Rising Culinary Star of the Year Award at the Ramy, which is the basically the D.C. restaurant awards that they have. It's like the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington, I think is what it stands for. They have them like every June, every September. It's something like that. Um, I can't really remember off the top of my head because I know they got rescheduled this year. It's usually the same restaurants are all nominated. Same people, same chefs. There's not a whole lot of new names from year to year. You get one or two here, um, but it's usually pretty, pretty predictable, I guess, with, you know, the names that you're going to see. Um, but pretty much he was working at uh, Ripple for a while. And then basically the owners of that restaurant, they decided that they were going to close it at some point. So they kind of gave him a heads up and, and he didn't really want to Rotino here. Uh, didn't really want to go back into like sending out resumes and finding an executive chef job somewhere and having to move and all this stuff. So 
luckily like they gave him and they worked with him throughout the process, but they gave him enough of a heads up where he could start looking for his own space and for his own restaurant. So he didn't have to go kind of back through the, the grind of, you know, getting another position and, and waiting and, and all that stuff. So he wound up, um, he wound up taking over this space where the restaurant is now. It's off 14th street, uh, in Logan circle. It was, I guess the home to policy restaurant and lounge. And he renovated it, had him do a redesign. Uh, his longtime friend, Jose Arguelles, who he actually first met, uh, back down in Florida when he was there. Um, he brought him in as a partner in the restaurant he was going to be the chef de cuisine. Uh, and the restaurant's called Bresca too, as well as Bonnie. Well, I don't know the the kind of history behind the name, really. Um, not sure why he decided to call it, but um, yeah, it's it's a lot of like he uses you know classic French techniques. So, but he wanted to make it feel like a kind of like a Paris bistro, but also have everyday experimentation too. Um, it's a 60 seat restaurant. I mean, there's like quirky vessel, like he has a bunch of like weird kind of dishes and plateware and stuff that he collected over the year. So it's just uh, uh, not obscure stuff, but it's just kind of random. Like he's got a piece here from, you know, this country and a piece here. Like it's not all matching and anything. So, which is actually kind of cool um, that it's all just kind of random stuff. So you don't really know you know, he just kind of picks out like this, these five dishes kind of all fit, you know, this course that we're going to be plating or something like that. So whatever kind of speaks to him in the moment kind of situation. Um, but yeah, so he opened his restaurant. I mean, it was a pretty big hit. I mean, it opened in 2017. It was in the fall and he got everything done basically between the time that he left ripple when it closed. And then a few months later, he was able to get brisk, officially opened for, you know, diners and everything. Um, and not too long after that, about, about a year after opening, um, Bresca became the first, uh, DC restaurant, especially in the fine dining sector to, to be completely carbon neutral. So at the time it joined a list of 18 other restaurants in the country that was kind of put together by zero food print, which is a San Francisco organization founded back in 2013 by chef Anthony mint. And the whole goal of kind of the organization is to fight climate change by way of restaurants using sustainable practices uh, in order to reduce their overall carbon footprint within the environment. So, Bresca does things like instead of using disposable tasting spoons, they have 400 stainless steel ones and they use them, you know, they're single use, but then they, once they're done, they go in a bin and then they run them through the dishwasher and they reuse them. So, um, you know, they don't use, uh, they use different cuts of meat to offset carbon output. They substitute animal fat for, you know, butter. So they don't have to use as much butter because it's the dairy industry has a big carbon footprint and they do all this little stuff. Um, they have a rooftop garden that doubles as a patio. They have planters around the edge. So they plant herbs and, and little vegetables and stuff that they can use inside the restaurant, but that also helps pull, you know, 
carbon out, out of the air and, and, and put oxygen in the air and, and stuff like this. So they do all these little things. And then it was like a month after it got on that list. Um, pretty much is when he got the, um, the call that, uh, he's going to be Michelin star restaurant. So that happened back, what, uh, September, 2018 is when I think he got the official word that uh, they were going to be a Michelin star restaurant. Yeah. So about a year after opening or so. And then from there, you know, everything's going great. I mean, it's one of the kind of like new up and coming restaurants and he decided that he wanted to, there was like a second floor in the building. And so he started renovating that to open like a, high-end tasty menu counter called jaunt um, which is named for kind of the french word same kind of spelling but so that's now that just opened actually like it was supposed to open a long time ago really like in the spring but because of coronavirus it got delayed it just opened like two weeks ago maybe or so and they had to do a bunch of social distancing stuff too and spread out some seats but they're still able to do something. It's not the full-fledged idea that they wanted to execute there. So it's they had to rework it a little bit because of coronavirus and everything. But, um, but yeah, it looks pretty amazing. Um, I would love to eat there at, at some point whenever I make my way back to D.C. At both Bresca again because it was really good and then also John because it's, you know, a tasting menu concept. He ha- he has a tasting menu on Bresco, which is what I did when I went there. It was like a six course thing. And I mean, it's all really good. It's all, you feel comfortable. Like it's a rustic kind of quirky setting, but as the plates come out, like you feel comfortable with the things that are on the menu, but they don't feel predictable either. So like the first course was like an oyster the second one was puff beef tendon and that was fantastic and it's something that you feel like you've seen before and you probably have but you haven't seen it so much that it feels predictable and after that it was you know there's some sea urchin you know then he had a take on potato pierogies which was fantastic and then the guinea hen which is like a dc thing uh they have like a certain I remember reading about it. They have like a certain window of time where like the hen is like a thing and like on all the restaurant menus. It I don't really understand the whole backstory of it, but um, you know, that was really good and and they had like a, a wagyu, you know, substitution that you could do too as well. I, I passed on that. I just I just did the hen since that was kind of a local flavor thing. And the dessert was really good too. So I mean my first experience was like, wow, like, you know, I understand why it's a Michelin starred restaurant. Like all the food is on point when I was there. I mean, I was there early. Um, and then I just kind of sat at the bar for a little bit, had a drink before kind of the kitchen was ready to, to start doing stuff. Um, I'm trying to think like it started getting busier. There were some other, other people that funneled in after me. I mean, I was just there kind of up front by the window by myself and, you know, I was doing stuff on my phone too as well. And I had a great time. I mean, you know, 
dining by yourself is one of those things that a lot of people think is like super weird. And I don't really mind it that much. Um, it's always better eating with someone else. Sure. Cause you have, you know, kind of back and forth conversation, all that stuff, but every once in a while, just kind of eating by yourself and hanging out just with your own thoughts and inside your own head and taking in the experience from like almost, it's almost a different perspective because you're so focused on like what's going on around you. Uh, it's really interesting and I recommend that people try it every once in a while. You'll just kind of look at everything just slightly different because nobody's there across from you. You know, you're not having a conversation. You're not distracted. Like you're really aware of everything that's going on around you. So I would recommend it to, uh, to people, but yeah, I had a, I mean, it's definitely a place that like I knew eating there too, as well, that, that Katie would like. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to get to take her there too at some point whenever we make our way back to DC. I mean, there's a, a handful of places that I think we both want to go in the area in that city, but I know going back to DC is not like on the top of our travel lists. Um, there's a handful of other places, especially within the U S that, uh, that we'd rather go to first before kind of repeating some of these cities, but you never know. I, I could wind up back having to go back through there for work or something from my day job, or, um, you know, you could wind up connecting through DC and getting delayed because of weather or mechanical plane issue. And, you know, depending on the time of day, maybe you can snag a reservation at you know, one of these places and, and go have some dinner that way. It's not that hard to get downtown. Most people recommend you take like the Metro, the train. Um, I, I mean, everybody says the traffic in DC is really bad. The couple times that I've been there, I mean, maybe I just wasn't in the full rush hour, but I've never, it's not that bad. Like, I think we actually have worse traffic here in Columbus. Like our freeway will get backed up if just a person has a flat tire. So, you know, maybe I'm wrong or I just haven't been in the right areas to experience how bad the traffic can be. Um, but so far initial impressions are that it's just not as bad as everybody says it really is. So I thought, you know, Bresca's really good. Um, everything was delicious. You know, it's a, I don't want to say a local chef because, you know, he's from Northeast Ohio, but, you know, it's an Ohio boy. So you always want to kind of support different chefs from kind of where you've spent a lot of time living, you know, whether it's, you know, I spent some time up in kind of the Cleveland area. You know, I've been in Ohio since 2004. I've been in Columbus since 2011. So coming up on almost a decade in Columbus. And um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm ready for a new city, but that's a whole other set of challenges that um, you have to work out. But I'd like to kind of explore a new a new city here in the near future. And depending on how kind of this coronavirus pandemic shakes out, um, I might be doing that on like a part-time basis or something, you know, if I'm going to constantly be working remotely, then, you know, maybe there's a scenario where you get, uh, you know, an Airbnb for a couple of weeks, you know, like a dedicated Airbnb and, post up in a city for a few weeks, explore the culinary scene and 
kind of have some fun and then, you know, either move back or move on to the next city or something like that. So definitely an idea that I'm kind of toying around with loosely. So we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, if you're in DC and you just kind of want like a, you want fine dining cuisine without the atmosphere, but like a casual laid back atmosphere, like Bresca's definitely one of the places to check out place to go. Um, but yeah, otherwise, you know, that's kind of it for Bresca. Check out the webpage, uh, spoonmob.com backslash Bresca. It's B-R-E-S-C-A. You can check out their Instagram too as well. It's just um, at Bresca DC on Instagram. And then uh, Ryan Rutinho, he has his own um, Instagram feed too. It's at R underscore Rutinho. R-A-T-I-N-O. Let me just double check to make sure that I have that right. I know there's the underscore and stuff in there. So let me just, yeah. R underscore Retino is his account too as well. So I think there's also account for Jaunt, his other restaurant that he just opened. I'm not actively following that, I don't think. Jaunt is, let me see. Yeah, it's at J-O-N-T underscore D-C. So John D-C with an underscore there. You can follow that account too as well for kind of all things Ryan, Retinho and and Bresca and John and everything that he's kind of involved in. So uh, appreciate everybody listening as always. Um, check out, you know, the website, all the new pages that we got up. We're also updating a lot of the Columbus stuff pretty frequently since... We've been on lockdowns, have been able to travel. Um, so there's new, you know, little pictures and, and courses and stuff going up under Fox in the Snow and Pistachio Vera. Jenny's new, is coming out with new ice cream flavors. So we've been putting those up, trying those out. Um, and we'll be going back to, you know, some of the restaurants too as well and, and hopefully be hitting up a few places that are within driving distance um, not too far in the future especially since it doesn't look like the coronavirus stuff is going to yield anytime soon. Um, but yeah, appreciate everybody listening. Like I said, check out the website, follow us on Instagram. We're on all the other social medias too, as well. Find us there, but we mainly use the the Instagram one. Uh, check out the other podcasts. Food news comes out Fridays and Saturdays, just depends on the week. And then also, um, parts now known that I do with my friend Ben there where we just kind of break down and recap the Anthony Anthony Bourdain episodes from the parts unknown series that he has so um, we're just both big fans of the show and think it's a super important show and nobody's really kind of done anything with it I mean you know some stuff comes out about him here or there you know usually in June because his birthday's in that month and then also the day that he died but nobody's done uh, a whole lot of I don't know, outside admiring, outside revisiting of kind of his work and his legacy. Um, it's just usually bits and pieces. So it seemed like a cool concept. And with the pandemic and all kind of running out of content to watch, it was definitely, you know, something worth rewatching and recommend everybody kind of catch up with that. So we're still on season one, just a few, uh, few episodes, you know, over halfway through season one, but finishing that up. So check out all the past episodes and then uh, follow along with us here in the future but um rate review subscribe appreciate everybody listening as always help spread the word and uh, we'll talk to you guys later